Often I hear this unmistakable. <laughs> I did an about face. I must have run a hundred yards before I stopped. <laughs> Episode three hundred and forty-five. Are you afraid to sing in public? Kurt and Travis having a good chat about that, and Kurt throws Travis under the bus. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt the Jerkface. Hey friends, thank you. Thank you for all you do to keep the Adventure Sports Podcast alive and well. You listen to our amazing guests. Thanks for that. You join our Facebook group and you share your adventures. That's awesome. You join our ASP members community for discounts and to support the show. Very cool. You donate to our Patreon site. Right on. But most of all, thank you for believing in the show. Thank you for joining with us to reach others to share the great stuff that adventure sports bring. We believe that adventure sports help people to live richer, more fulfilling lives. We believe that the Adventure Sports Podcast is making a positive impact in the world through physical health, emotional health, environmental health, and relational health. We have set the challenging goal of doubling our listener base by February the 28th. Wow, really? After nearly three years, we want to double the number of listeners in just a few weeks? You bet. And you make it possible because you believe in ASP. Thanks in advance for sharing the dream of a healthier, happier world by telling your friends about the Adventure Sports Podcast. Let's double the good. Together, we can do it. Hey friends, Kurt here. Thanks again for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast today. I decided today to try something new, mix things up a little bit. This is not our standard format. Normally, we interview amazing guests, as you know, about their adventure sports. But today, I had an idea that I came across this weekend that I thought was really kind of interesting, a concept. Now, its we don't know if this is true, but I want to throw this out there, this concept, to the audience, to you listeners, to see if it might relate to you or anyone that you know in your world. So today's show is about things that keep us from doing adventure sports, things that get in the way of having fun, getting out there and uh, getting into that healthier, more active, more entertaining, bigger community, bigger life experience, adventure sport. So I didn't tell Travis I was going to do this. I'm going to call him on the phone right now and uh, put him on the spot because he has no idea that this is going on. So, here I go. I'm going to call Travis, see if he answers. Here we go. Let's see if he answers. Hey. Hey, Travis. Going on? You are live on the Adventure Sports Podcast right now. Okay, great. (laughs) <laughs> you're supposed to be more surprised than that question for you <laughs> what's that does singing in public make you nervous um yeah but like elf says on the movie you just got to do it you got to go out the middle of a store and just start singing with all your might 
<laughs> That's probably a really good answer. So yesterday, <laughs> you want me to do that? No, not now. Oh, okay, darn it. Yesterday, I was uh, running around outdoor retailer, and I bumped into a guy that was selling some really cool uh, tools to repair skis, right for ski tuning. And I was sitting there talking to him. Turns out that he has a ski shop, and in the summertime, he needed something to fill his time. So he started doing um, classes. So he teaches uh, windsurfing, and he also teaches kids how to skateboard, like in a skate park. And it was pretty cool. But he came up with this idea, having worked with kids, that the times have changed. I mean, this, this guy was someone who's seen a few more winters than most of us, right? And he said it used to didn't be this way. But what's happening is kids started getting afraid to try skating, especially was what he was talking about. And it seemed to him that it started up around the time that skateboarding got really, really popular with some of the mega skateboarding stars. And, you know, all the stuff just fed YouTube. And, and so the kids see the pros doing amazing things, and it made them shy to try to do it because they were afraid that they would look bad. That they wouldn't uh, be able to add up or match those abilities. It makes sense. And the reason I asked you if you like to sing in public, um, I noticed the same thing, although it was years ago. People don't like to sing in front of other people. And there was a time, a generation back, maybe a little more than a generation back, let's go back two generations, when people sang together all the time. It was what people did to entertain themselves. They didn't right. have radio. They didn't have TV. But when radio and TV put really polished professional singers in front of everybody, people quit singing. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. My parents took us kids Christmas caroling once a year when I lived in Connecticut, and I kind of got over my fears then doing it, but you wouldn't catch me dead Christmas caroling right now. Okay. I, I'm little secret here. I'm interrupting the interview. I'm doing the post-processing right now because I have a special treat for you. Back when we started the Adventure Sports Podcast and Travis first got his first microphone, he did a little sound check on that microphone and happened to record it. Check this out. Travis Parsons doing Janis Joplin. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing for dollars. All right, everybody, sing along. Try and find me. I wait for delivery each day until free. So, oh, Lord. Won't you buy me what I want to know is how he knew all the lyrics to this. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? I'm counting on you, Lord, so please don't let me down. Prove that you love me and buy me the next round. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? Oh, Lord, and just when you thought I was going to stop this, oh no, you've got to survive just a little bit more. 
Cause I must make amends Worked hard all my life No help from my friends So long Here we go you buy me Big finish Mercedes Benz <laughs> I love it I've been waiting for three years To find the right excuse To get that in a show And I just did it Now back to the interview Well I have a theory And this is what the show's about the theory today is that the really, really great people, the great athletes that do amazing adventure sports, and, you know, they're on Red Bull films, they're on all the GoPro advertisements, they're in the X Games, you know the people I'm talking about, that some people mm-hmm. look at that and decide not to try the adventure sport. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. It also probably depends on the adventure sport itself, but... Um, I think there's something to that. If somebody goes out and uh, and thinks that maybe they're gonna go ride, you know, a cool fancy mountain bike, but then feels like they're gonna look like a, a newbie clown on it the first few times they're out, it might uh, it might keep them from trying it in the first place. So there could be something to that. I'm not sure. So you, you and know. I both have kids, right? Mm-hmm. My kids uh, are ages. Let's see. Luke just turned 14. Daniel just turned 16. Caleb is about to turn 21, believe it or not. Lydia is uh, 18, about to turn 19 in March. Um, those are the ages of my kids. What about your kids? Uh, 11 and 13, boy and girl. 11 and 13. Do you see any signs of this since they grew up in the, the world of YouTube and, uh, and these amazing X Games and things like that? What, what do you see in your own family? I don't know that I would say anything I see is would be linked to that. I have, you know, my son, Harley, um, he's a, a rock star on the bike. He has not had any qualms about getting out there. You know, even when he first started, um, my daughter is more timid about getting out there, but she's not the type to watch that kind of stuff on YouTube anyway. So I don't know that I could make a link in my own kids, but you know, I think it might be a, a justified theory in some situations. Mm. Well, with my kids, they've been pretty good about trying things. But I will say this, and this is kind of interesting. Luke is the the kind of personality. He's a, man, he is so good on the guitar. He gets up and he performs in front of big audiences, singing and playing the guitar. And he does an incredible job. But when he first started taking guitar lessons, he had been watching a lot of YouTube guitar and stuff like that. And the teacher would look at him and say, okay, put your hand here, now try this. And he wouldn't do it. I was like, what's going on? How come he's not trying? And the teacher was super patient and said, well, let's let's just do some stuff and, and kept working with him. And then Luke would go home and in his bedroom with the door closed, we would hear some noise. We're like, what's he doing in there? <laughs> Next guitar lesson, he would do it perfectly. So did, didn't want to try it for the first time out there where somebody was watching him, but once he figured he got it dialed in enough, he was comfortable enough to demonstrate it. Exactly. And of course, now he's older and he's past that. But the point is, I wonder, because Luke was the one that enjoyed watching YouTube and the superstars more than any of the rest of our kids. And I wonder, did that influence him a little bit in the beginning? He can do it and he does it. And now, you know, it's fantastic. But in the beginning, it was like, I'm not going to try something in front of someone I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm not going to look like that guy on YouTube. You know, that might be the case. You know, as you talk about it, I I wonder, you know, we've talked about competing 
You know, so somebody might go ride mountain bikes recreationally, but have zero interest in competing. And it might be a little bit of that. You know, I don't, I'm okay going out and riding a trail, but boy, if you put my, my skills or lack of skills in front of an audience, you know, I'm not too interested in that. So there might be something to that. I just wonder if some of our listeners might relate to some of this. That's why I wanted to kind of discuss it. And another one for you, Caleb, uh, when he was young and my wife, she was a genius. She said, Caleb needs to take up mountain bike racing. And I hadn't been mountain biking in forever. I didn't even have a, a rideable mountain bike at the time, Travis. And I love mountain biking, but I had never really gotten into it like you and I have now. And the, the story was that Caleb was like, no, I don't want to. And it had a lot to do with the same thing, I think. You know, putting yourself right. out there in front of other people, that sort of stuff. And uh, Caleb was like, no, I don't think that's for me, Mom. I really don't want to do that. She said, you don't have to race. I talked to the coach. You don't have to race at all, but you can ride with the group. He still didn't want to do it. But we got him a used bike and said, just try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. He started trying it, and of course, he made friends. He didn't race the first race of the season. He's like, no, I really don't want to. But he did step up to the plate and race the second race, and by the time he had graduated as a senior, he was a solid racer and thrived on it, loved it, looked forward to doing it. But I I just wanted to kind of say, well, you know, was there an element of that in the beginning that was kind of holding him back? And I'm not trying to make Caleb seem shy or anything. What I am trying to do is say that I think all of us have that. I have that, you know. Sometimes people say, hey, why don't you try this? I'm like, ooh, that first time's awfully scary. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think there's a there's a theory there worth thinking about, and uh, I wouldn't say yeah, I'm all completely on that, on board with that theory or completely against it. Um, there's obviously, there was no YouTube, you know, when I was growing up, and uh, and I'm, I know I went through those same feelings and emotions back then as a kid. So it's just, it has to do with people's personality, but has YouTube and GoPro and all the big events and the big names has that influenced it. You know, I don't know. It's possible. Certainly possible. Yeah. And so here's the, the opposite argument. When I watch golf, I want to go play golf, Right. When I watch people out riding motorcycles, I want to go ride motorcycles. When I watch the the Red Bull Downhill Championships, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But I do want to go ride mountain bikes. You know what I mean? So on the other side, these things introduce people to what the sport can do. Do you think that that encourages more people than it discourages? I think what it does is encourage the people that have the mindset, the ones that are into competing and showcasing their skills and it interests those that are thinking, yeah, that's a cool sport. I'd like to try it, but only recreationally, you know, I don't know that it's going to push the kid away from trying something so much, but it's not going to entice them to go put their skills on display either. Yeah. You know, Warren Miller just passed away this week and for those who don't know Warren Miller ski films, go look it up. It's awesome. Warren Miller, as a very young man, started going to ski areas and sleeping in his car. And uh, he started filming with the big, clunky, heavy cameras. We're talking about well, over 60 years ago. He started filming downhill skiing. 
And he made these films, and in the beginning, he didn't have anyone to show them to. He would take them to schools and show them to kids in schools and different things to try to promote his films and the whole concept of skiing is for everybody. He worked really hard at that. And in later years, when he was still producing the films, his films always had an element of the everyday people trying it, the everyday people having fun. You would always see the skier that you could tell was going down their first slope who couldn't turn and went too fast and ran into something, the people that would slip on the ice, the little kids that would end up in a 10-person pile-up, all skis and poles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people loved it. But then he also brought in the pros that could do the amazing skiing, doing you know radically extreme cliffs and out-skiing avalanches and all that kind of stuff. But he always had the balance. He always showed the beginners, and he always showed the joy of learning. And that was what Warren Miller was so good at doing. I just think that that might be perhaps a formula that works better. Yeah, that could be. He brought it uh, more to a, an achievable level, something that somebody could relate to instead of uh, the pro just always bombing down. But at the same time, they had a, they had a lot of people that were really excellent skiers. You know, the other parts of those videos were, were not people falling off lift chairs. They were people going down insane runs that, you know, I, I never got to the point of, I never even, desired to get to that point, you know, bombing down some snow, you know, snow filled avalanche zone, you know, with rocks out in front of you. It never enticed me to want to do that, but it did entice me to want to ski. Um, it just didn't entice me to want to compete and showcase my skills. So I think it comes back to people's personalities. So Warren Miller was our YouTube. And yeah, I guess so. our day. Yeah. And I have to contradict you a little bit. I did see you break your rib once on a big double black wall. It was pretty cool. Um, no, if you remember right, I was just standing there. We were talking and laughing, and I <laughs> fell over, not moving. So thank you for making it sound really cool, but no. <laughs> you were still on a double black, though, when it happened. <laughs> yeah, we happened to be standing on a BSing on the side of the trail, though, and I lost my balance and fell on my fist. <laughs> but let's edit that out and make it sound like I did something really cool to do. No, I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in. I'm not going to let you produce this one. <laughs> Fair enough. all right so travis you're saying that you're not sure if you're on board with the theory or not and and i agree with you i'm not sure if i'm on board or not either the question is let's not be generic right it's not about everybody it's about are there people out there that are having issues with that and is it growing in the younger generations because of technology and because of our modern world is it possible and the only people that can answer that are the people that are listening that say wow i kind of get that or the ones that say, nah, you guys are full of it. You know what I mean? But right. I just wanted to throw it out there and knock it around because you and I have been promoting adventure sports for three years now. We've been telling people how much fun it is, how it can improve their health, how it builds community. We've been talking about ways that it helps the planet, you know, connecting with nature, uh, environmentalism, all sorts of things that happen as a result of finding something you love and doing it. And... I really, really believe in that. That's what the show's about. And that's why we're trying to grow the number of listeners to the show, because we think it can make an impact and it can do a lot of good. I believe in adventure sports. So I was wanting to know, are there things that cause people to not get involved when they could get involved, things that could be overcome so more people can get the benefit? You know what I mean? Yeah, and actually what, as you're talking about that, what I'm thinking about is not so much 
Um, are people getting, are they afraid to get into adventure sports or something like that specifically talking younger people, but I worry that social media and this uh, virtual contact that we have with everybody these days actually is doing a disservice to kids thinking, you know, the kids are actually more comfortable just hanging out with their friends virtually instead of being enthusiastic to go hit the slopes or go hit the mountain bike trail and go hang out with their friends in, oh, yeah. in real person face to face. You know, I think that's almost a bigger issue and concern of mine. You know, it's funny that you brought that up because I had that on my bullet points here that I wanted to touch on somehow before we quit talking about this was texting versus calling versus visiting. Right. And so my generation, I'm not that old, people. I'm only 23, but <laughs> I am. I'm 23 plus, um, I'm 23 in my spirit. Here we go. So the deal is that way back when, when the dinosaurs walked on the earth, we got together as friends and played games and went out to McDonald's or even just took a hike or a walk through a park or played Frisbee or something because that was entertainment, right? We didn't have texting. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have all the plethora of apps. Right. No other alternative. Yeah. Which also meant that we couldn't wait to get our driver's license. We couldn't wait to have a car and have the freedom to actually get together. I mean, that was a big deal. I don't see that anymore. No, that's another thing. Kids don't want to learn how to drive anymore. I don't get that. I was chomping at the bit. I couldn't wait to to finally get that piece of plastic and get behind the wheel. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Here we are talking like a couple old codgers, and we're not that old. I'm 23. How old are you? (laughs) I'm, uh, if you're 23, I must be about 18. I guess. Well, it's just interesting to me the way that technology shapes society and society shapes technology and how generations do change as a result of that. You know, you hear people talking about the, the Gen Xers and you hear people talking about the baby boomers. You hear people talking about the, um, the, the millennials. <laughs> it really is a thing. People are different because of the world they grew up in. Right. No, no doubt. And uh, it, it's hard for us older geezers to understand that, that current world and those perceptions. And Times are changing, Kurt. Well, and sometimes as society changes, we need to have a little bit of a return to center. Some extremes come out of some of these trends, and then it's like, okay, well, <laughs> society tried that on for a little while. It didn't quite fit. Let's get back to something that works better. And I'm not, I'm not dissing the current society, but I am saying to everybody out there, texting is a powerful tool, you know, and all of these social media platforms and things are wonderful. You can stay in touch with people from miles away and all that kind of stuff, but don't give up being together, you know? Right. Right. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. It's very important. It's uh, important that we actually see people face to face and able to uh to share facial expressions i know even between you and i like i'm constantly joking around that's all i ever do is joke but i know like i will i might send a text message or an email and you can't see facial expressions so you might be on the other end thinking oh what a jerk (laughs) you know (laughs) but i'm over here laughing when i type it up thinking it's received the way i intended it but that's how all that stuff works you know if you're not there with somebody and uh you know, hear the inflections in their voices, through their uh, their facial expressions, then yeah, it could be a totally different uh, 
perceived conversation on the other end, you don't realize it. So I think kids unfortunately lose out on that if they don't make sure they get outside. And we're such a protective society anyway. I mean, whose kids actually go out and run around in the neighborhood these days? Mm. You know, it just doesn't happen. We have our kids scheduled to the hilt, and you know, we're just as guilty in my family. So I'm not pointing any fingers. Um, we have to schedule time for the the kids to get together with their friends. So it's uh you got to step lightly, step, make your uh, your moves very carefully with that kind of stuff because it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Society is not the same as it used to be, and I don't think it's any more dangerous than it used to be, but, man, do we get it thrown in our face all the time by the media. Right. That's a major change, too. It makes us paranoid, but we're probably as safe. Matter of fact, I think the other day I heard some statistics on crime rates and that we're safer now than we used to be. We're safer now than when you and I were kids. No, it's not possible. Dude. Not possible. I think that I heard those statistics. <laughs> and But it's just like, wow, really? So, I don't know. We're just so much more aware of every little bad thing that happens these days. And I think that also scares people. Maybe that's another reason why people don't go out enough. You know, and maybe some people do go out enough. But people that, that are being challenged to go outside and have some fun. Right to get out there, right. maybe that's part of the reason. I mean, it's like, oh, I'm inside. I'm looking at the TV set, and it says that if I go outside, I, there's going to be a high speed chase. I'm going to be the victim of a robbery, or someone's going to break into my house. Blah, blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping at straws. But the reason I brought this whole subject up was because I want to encourage people to try new things, to get out there and have the fun, build the community, and return to what it means, that humanity, that grit that comes from interacting with people and challenging ourselves. I mean, that's really what our show is about. We've been doing it for three years. That's what the show is about in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about people basically hearing fearful stuff on the news and it's, it's hard even on our show because I know I'm always interested in the time that things didn't go right. And that's not to, obviously not to scare people, but it's always an interesting story, you know? And yeah. I like to hear those, but at the same time, if you, you know, you, you ask that too many times and you dwell on that, or if that's all that people get out of an interview with somebody that did something amazing you know, and all they take from it is that scary time. Well, you know, that could be a bad thing. That could make people afraid to go try stuff. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's a fun thing to hear, but it's you got to take it in with a grain of salt at the same time and realize that that's only a small fraction, you know, of the of the picture. Of you the know, picture. I said this the other day, but I'm going to say it again. John Fielder's response to that question was classic. You know, I said, you know, John, maybe. You'll be able to save a life. Someone will learn from a mistake that you made. So tell us about a time that things didn't go right. He goes, you know, that's not true. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm not going to help anybody. We learn by going out there and making those mistakes. That's the fun of it. So true. get out there and make the mistakes. That's how we That's how we figure it out. I thought, oh, yeah, really well, good point. A lot point. of times that's what, the, you know, it's what makes the adventure, too. <laughs> those are the fun stories to tell. Yeah, the adventure often pops in when the unexpected creeps up and grabs you in the back, you know. That's yep. uh, that's the fun stuff. All right, I just have to say, Kurt completely blindsided me with my little rendition of Janis Joplin's uh, Mercedes-Benz. I instantly turned hot and my palms started sweating. So we talk about being nervous to sing in front of public. For me to have... That song in front of you guys was completely embarrassing. 
but it was funny and I will allow it in this show. But Kurt, I do want you to know that I will get back at you. I will find a way, buddy. It's coming. It's official. Winter has arrived and Bentgate Mountaineering is prepared to help you get ready for your epic winter. Come check out the latest in Alpine Touring, Telemark, NTN, and Splitboarding gear. They have brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Neversummer, Jones, and BCA. And you do need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear. They have beacons, airbags, shovels, and probes, and they're ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. They also rent out gear so you can get your skis and your boots there as well as your avalanche safety equipment. What's more, they also have free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear. Now, how much fun does that sound? So swing by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to find your new gear as well as to get updates on all of their events. Well, dude, what about something that you tried for the first time or a dynamic about trying first things in your own life? Do you have a story? Yeah, I mean, nothing that I can think of that I was fearful of. But I think for me, when it comes to trying new things, um, I, I actually what scares me is when I try something new, I get so engrossed in it. It is so fun. And I say it scares me because what I'm starting to get nervous about is I realize there's going to come a time when it's not that new and exciting anymore. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. an example was when I first started uh, flying model aircraft. I know it has nothing to do with uh, adventure sports and I don't fly model aircraft anymore, but I can remember my buddy and I going out like, you know, as soon as work shuts down, we're going to go do this. And like little kids, you know, that's what it is. It's like having the the little kid back in you again. So we go out, get the model airplanes. We go learn how to fly them and crash them and have to fix them up again and fly them again. And then one day you're out there doing it and you can do it. You're successful at it. And it's not fun anymore. So it's that whole process of learning how to do something and failing and then figuring out eventually how to do it. And that's such an exciting process. So it's kind of that way with mountain biking right now, you know, just kind of getting back into, I mean, not just now we've been back into mountain bike for a while, but I used to do a lot of mountain bike riding when I was younger and then got out of it for a long time when the kids were young, but recently got back into it in the last few years. And it's still a high for me, you know, to get out there and do it. I'm still jonesing to get out and, and mountain bike, but I was thinking the other day that someday this is going to go away. Like this feeling, this love and enthusiasm is going to go away. And that's where the fear comes in for me. It's like, I don't want that to go away. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's actually a bigger fear for me than a fear of trying something new. It's the fear that right. something I love is no longer fun. But exactly. I, have to, I have to say this, though. Adventure sports, most adventure sports, don't end. You can always reach for a higher skill. I mentioned this to somebody at Outdoor Retailer I was talking to about skiing. You know, I started skiing when I was 16. And so now since I'm 23, I've been skiing for seven years. 
plus about 25 more. And I still love to ski. Why? Because here I am still trying to do better bashing the moguls. I still want to be able to do a bigger trick when I take a jump. And I still want to try to keep up with my my kids who are kicking my butt now because they're better than I am. (laughs) But the point is that there's no end to it if you keep pursuing it. Now, some people say, you know, I just do blue cruisers. That's all I'm ever going to do. They might get tired of doing blue cruisers. It gets Mm -hmm. too familiar, right? But if you pick a sport and you say, no, I want to I want to be the very best I can be, then the only thing that's going to make it unnew is when you quit trying to advance. At least that's my theory. Yeah, I can see that. You know, I fell out of love with snowboarding and skiing, and I almost I felt like I did that because I, I did it so much that I just kind of burnt myself out. I mean, there were other factors around here in Colorado that influenced that, a lot of it being traffic and crowds and whatnot, but I just... I think I might have hit it so hard that it was kind of like I got, you know, 10 years worth of experience, you know, crammed in the three years, you know, because there'd be three day weekends where I was driving, you know, hours and hours and hours every single day of those three day weekends just to go up and sit in traffic and ski or at the time I was snowboarding and then drive an hour, you know, hours and hours back sitting in traffic only to turn around and do it the next day and then the next day. Yeah. And that kind of stuff, I think, eventually burnt me out. So. I don't so know. it's not necessarily it's, uh, the skiing. It's that the the cost benefit ratio starts to to lose out. Yeah, it, it becomes not worth sitting those hours and hours in traffic, you know, for the for the less and less excitement that it brings. Well, in but, a way, isn't that what happened with your model airplanes too? Because you got to the yeah. point where you could fly them confidently, and everything started working. And the only way you're going to advance a sport was to spend a heck of a lot more money on it to start getting into more advanced model technology. And at some point, it's like, yeah, I'll do something else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, probably so. So I don't know. Hopefully mountain biking doesn't do that. I, yeah. I enjoy mountain biking with you. I enjoy you know, doing it with my son. And I think that's another element. You, you brought up, you know, once your kids are able to get into something with you, that's what resurrected mountain biking, actually, for the two of us, right? Um, it was our kids that got us back into it. Oh, yeah. And what a gift for your kids. You know, you you want your kids to do a sport and you start doing it with them, and then suddenly you're having more fun than you ever did before because yeah, right. you're you're helping your kids discover the joy of it, and that's that joy is contagious. But right. on top of that, the gift you've given your kids because now they're being active, they're out there and they're moving, they're getting healthier and stronger and finding out what they can do. I think it's I think it's just totally awesome. I really do. Well, the joy is twofold, too, because you get to watch your kids learn and figure things out just like you did. And you get to think back, you know, you might have uh, might be more accomplished, but you get to look back and kind of relive what it was like for yourself to go through, you know, conquering that type of obstacle or, you know, doing this uh, a certain element to the sport and you get to watch them go through it. Yeah, I know. I know, you know, buddy knuckles. Cause that was cool. I remember doing that and I know what that feels like. So good for you. So it's also fun to watch your kids come up in the sport. Yeah, I agree. Before we leave the model airplanes though, I remember a time that things didn't go right. One time, actually a couple of times <laughs> I went up with you guys to fly planes and I loved it, but I didn't really get into the sport ultimately. But one time I remember you going down to retrieve a plane and stepping over a rattlesnake. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And dude, I didn't know you were such a great break dancer. It was awesome. <laughs> I about peed myself, man. I don't know. Rattlesnakes. 
I don't get along with rattle. I don't get along with garter snakes, much less rattlesnakes, but holy smokes. That was the first time one ever rattled at me. I remember just kind of cruising over in the weeds, you know, when I picked up the glider, I was flying, and all of a sudden I hear this unmistakable. <laughs> I did an about face. I must have run 100 yards before I stopped. <laughs> well, you know, I had never seen anybody walk on air like Wiley Coyote does in Roadrunner. Uh oh, I just dated myself. I'm only 23. But. I think you did that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. If it happens again, I guarantee I'll do it again, too, because I am no uh, no more comfortable with the whole rattlesnake thing than, than I was that day. So that's funny. I totally forget about that. Yeah, think about the poor rattlesnake, though. You scared him half to death. He was way worse off than you were. Yeah, I'm sure. He's obviously shaking in his boots. I could hear it. <laughs> well, what about you? There's got to be something, a uh, good story that uh, you have related to such things. Well, here's one where fate just did that little twist and things went right. And I have to tell it, Travis, because uh, we were just talking about people being nervous about doing something in front of other people, maybe for the first time or while they're learning and thinking, oh, I don't want to look like a fool or an idiot. You know what I mean? Right. And I, oh man, do I have some idiot stories. Whew. But this one went <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to tell this because you never know. Sometimes things go right. So it was a company golf tournament. And I'm not a big golfer. I'm an adventure sport guy. I'm out riding the mountain bikes and climbing the mountains and stuff. I'm not playing golf very much, maybe once a year. I'm a lousy golfer. I am horrible, complete hacker, right? Matter of yeah, fact, I, I, I don't take a sleeve of balls with me to, to play nine holes. I, I take a <laughs> box of balls. And I just decided Kurt, that's... Kurt goes to the uh, golf, the, the, the driving range and gets himself a bucket. Shh, don't tell anybody. Golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think all those uh, black striped golf balls? Well, it saves money, man. <laughs> I think it's a lucky day when I try to find my ball in the water trap and I come out with two. Yes. <laughs> so, but this day we were doing a scramble and for people that don't play golf, uh, usually you have a team and everybody hits a ball and then the best ball, the one that went to the best place on the fairway Everyone goes to there, drops a ball, and hits a ball, and then you play that best ball. And so it's a way to speed a golf game up, and it's a team approach. So we had this company golf tournament, foursome scramble, and my team went first, and they wanted me to tee off first. So here's the entire company, everybody watching me, and I'm the worst player there by far. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm the newbie. I'm shaking in my boots. I just like, oh, I cannot believe. not a moment you wish for anybody else. No, dude, we're talking about dozens of people watching me kick off the tournament with the first swing of the club. I hit that ball, <laughs> close my eyes, shaking in my boots, saying a little prayer, and it landed right on the apron of the green. Man, you look like a rock star. <laughs> People were cheering and, and saying, I know which ball we're going to play. And I was like, I'll never hit a ball like that for the rest of my life. But it happened today. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, luck was on your side that day. Yeah, that's a terrible feeling, too. <laughs> You're like, no, why me? <laughs> why can't this be somebody that actually knows they're going to hit it well? That's oh, funny. Yeah, it was really, really bizarre. And I throw that out there because you don't know if something awesome is going to happen unless you try it. So go try for the awesome. And yeah. learn to laugh at yourself. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I've become very accustomed to is laughing at myself. If I don't do that, I'll probably spend more time crying. 
<laughs> well, I enjoy laughing at you too. So that makes two of us. <laughs> I could appreciate that. <laughs> Glad to provide you some comedy. Yeah, you bet, man. You bet. Well, I don't know, dude, where all this is going. I just thought it might be fun to randomly call you up and have a conversation about trying first things. And any other ideas on ways to encourage people to try something new? You know, I, it's just about doing it for yourself. Don't, you're not doing it for anybody else. If you're worried about other people, don't. It's, it is about how you are going to feel doing it. And like I said, getting into a lot of these things, it's so addictive. You can lose yourself into it. A lot of times you can get way too far into it. Your wife gets mad at you because she's like, oh, my God, honey, you're watching more GMBN videos on YouTube? Really? Is it all about mountain bike? Well, you know, for now it is, you know, but that's what's fun is because it is something you truly love and everybody needs passions in life. And if if you think that something might be your passion, then go for it. You don't need to care about what other people think because – if you don't have a passion in your life, then you're really missing out. And if you're too afraid to try something that might become a passion, well, you're really just shortchanging yourself. So mm. do it for yourself. It's simple as that. Yeah, man, very well said. And I encourage people to try things that they think they won't like. I, Because yeah. I, sometimes it's so surprising. Or maybe you say, you know what? I was right. I don't like that. But you can always say that you did it once, that you know what it's about, and that's going to be special and valuable for you later in life. I mean, for one example for me, I actually, I loved it, but I only did it once with skydiving. And I absolutely loved it. It, it scared the crap out of me, but it was so much fun. But you know what? I only did it once. I looked at it and I said, I don't have, really have the time or the money for this sport right now, maybe later in life. And I'm so glad I did it one time. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of these days we need to go skydiving together. I've not done it yet. My wife has, but it's one thing on my list I have not done yet. All right. Yet. Well, let's do it. We'll film it and, and put it up on the show so people can laugh at you and me together. Yeah, and then they'll be like, oh, those guys were nice, weren't they? Too bad they died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> hey, remember the Danger of Adventure Sports episode, skydiving is actually really safe. Oh, I know. I'm not so, at all afraid of it. It's uh, oh, I joke I around about it, but I, I have no fears. You know what? I, I'm not going to go on about skydiving for the rest of the show, but I will say this. When it was time, I did a tandem dive so I could do a free fall on the first dive with an instructor, right? And so mm -hmm. when it was time for me to step out on the strut of that little Cessna and to be standing, we're, I think, about 10,000 feet up, to be standing outside of the airplane, 10,000 feet above the ground, and then... He taps me on the shoulder and leaps. You know, that feeling right there. I'm standing on the outside of an airplane. Wow. That was yeah. mind-blowing. That was so mind-blowing for me. Oh, yeah. For me, it was the bungee jumping over water. Um, there's nobody that pushes you or taps you or, you know, takes the initiative and jumps out. You have to make your mind up to do it. And for me, it was that that shock of the point of no return. It's like mm. when you start, your body starts angling out, there's some irrational feeling of, I can always reach back and grab something, you know, and stop myself. But then when you get to the point, you're about 45 degree uh, angle and you realize there's no possible way I'm stopping 
this motion, you know, and that's when it hits you like, Oh, here I go. You know, but <laughs> at the same time, it's such a cool rush, you know, that I'm dying to go again. I can't, I can't wait to go again. But when it comes to skydiving, I live in an area, I live near an airport, small airport that you do a lot of skydiving at. And I've seen thousands and thousands of skydivers. I mean, any, any reasonably nice day, I can just walk out my backyard and look up. In fact, I can hear the chutes open from my yard. I can look up and I see skydivers falling out of the, out of the sky. Um, in all of them that I've seen, it is so safe that I've only seen one bounce. Oh, great. You didn't really <laughs> see one bounce, did you? I did, actually. I was driving oh. home from work one day. and so I, But that was, that was over 10 years ago. I've been in my house for 10 years, and I've watched thousands and thousands of skydivers. And that happened even before I moved here near the airport. So, yeah, it happened. But, you know, things do happen. It still doesn't scare me to do it because I look at life statistically. Mm. Well, and you know what? You're afraid to fly a plane, you know? You're not statistically, you're you're far less likely to have an incident in the plane than you are in a car. But we all jump in our car without any issue. Well, for the listeners who may not have heard it, go back and listen to How Dangerous Are Adventure Sports. Go to our, our website, adventuresportspodcast.com, and you can go to episode categories. You can search for dangerous, and it'll pop right up. Or search for my name, it'll pop up. And uh, listen to that one, because when I did that research, I knew that these sports were a lot safer than they feel and a whole lot safer than people think they are. But when I did the research and saw the numbers, they were so much safer than I even expected, you know? And driving right. a car is one of the most dangerous things that we do. Everyone knows that, and everyone still drives a car because it's kind of a necessity. But what was so amazing was that even just living in the United States and having the risk of having to go to a hospital under medical care, the dangers associated with that, <laughs> unbelievable. So yeah, anyway, right. it, but what was so cool is that we found out that nearly every adventure sport was an order of magnitude or 10 orders of magnitude uh, safer than driving a car. The one exception was base jumping, and uh, that one is dangerous. It really is. That is a dangerous sport. But anyway, go listen to that show because it's fascinating. Yeah, I like that one. And you're right. I mean, you know, getting in a car is something we do every day, you know, all our lives. And it's because we do it so often that you talk to somebody that, you know, an airport or uh, airline pilot. You know, some people are deathly afraid to get in a commercial airliner or any place oh, yeah. for that matter, you know, but you look at the guy that makes his living that way. He does it so often it's, to him. It's like jumping into a car. So he doesn't, doesn't think anything of it. You know, he knows what he's doing. He trusts himself and his co-pilot and, uh, and away they go without thinking of it. So repetitiveness can uh, be a big remedy for some of that stuff too. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Well, Travis, before we go, are you sure you won't sing for us? Just sing something, anything? Um, okay. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. <laughs> oh, no. Tell me that's from Elf. Is this right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make another Elf joke. <laughs> okay. There you go. I sang for you. <laughs> yes, you did, Travis. You really did. Yeah, All right. On record. Well, hey, everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening today. And, you know, until the next show, think about trying something new. Think about overcoming whatever the challenge is. And don't let fear of what other people think or comparing yourself to other people's skill sets or anything like that get in your way. Learn to laugh at yourself 
and go out and laugh heartily. Until the next show, make sure you get out there and have some fun. I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. (laughs) Why don't you do yourself and us a favor and become a member of our Facebook group. In there, you can hear about some awesome adventures, learn how to do new ones, and share what you've been up to. And while you're on the web, do us a favor and go over to patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast and consider becoming a patron to help the show. You can also find a link to patron at the top of our website at adventuresportspodcast.com. As always, thanks for listening, guys. Mm-hmm.